This podcast brought to you by RPGLife.com. News, reviews, commentaries, and ideas. Everything for your RPG life. It's a gamer's life. Get in and get game. Hi, this is Ross Payton here with Roleplay and Public Radio, and this is episode 21, so you want to create a campaign. And of course, with me, as always, is Tom. Yes, your classic hanger-on guy that, that, hang that comes along with you like a little puppy. Yeah, that's... By the way, I have to say, Ross, you avoided the announcer voice for the most part. Yeah. But I was watching your lips, and you were really over-enunciating Please stuff. don't watch... Don't watch my lips do, do, again. What, that, does, that, does that make you uncomfortable, that me staring longingly at your lips, Ross? Uh, anyways, moving on. Victory is mine. <laughs> We're going to be talking about how, uh, creating a campaign from scratch. How to create your own campaign. Uh, if you only, only got an RPG, some friends, some dice, and paper, and you have no idea how to create a game that will last more than one session. Now, of course... We usually just do actual plays of one-shot games because, quite frankly, that's well, easier. The logistics involved of putting a whole campaign on actual play is... Well, honestly, it's not that hard. It's The problem is the player schedules. Basically, all my players are erratic, unpredictable... Uh, except for me. Fucks. Yeah, except... Because I have no life outside of my job. <laughs> yes. Really, I have my job, and then I sit at home like, please, someone hold me. Poor Tom. I know. It's it's pathetic. It really yeah. is. Anyways, so uh, we, we recently received an email from a listener who basically uh, asked us, how do you make a campaign? And Rather than just email an answer to him. Yeah, we thought we'd do a whole episode. because I, I told him run published adventures until th this episode came out because it sounded like a good idea. So uh, let's just dive on into that whole issue there Thing. Let's get into the rigmarole. Come on. Yes, rigmarole. Basically, the main thing you do when you start a campaign is, you know, when you have no idea, you just have players, is uh, the first thing I do when I create a campaign is first I figure out the structure, the genre, and the play style. The genre is obvious, you know, obviously. What are you running? Yeah, exactly. Well, not just what are you running, but how. Like, you know, in Dungeons & Dragons, there is Ravenloft, Dark Sun, Forgotten Realms. Each of those is a different genre of fantasy. So you have to figure out what type of uh, uh, ambience, what type of setting. What By the way, Dark Sun, just play the Thrycreen. You don't need hardly any water. You're perfectly suited for the desert. Yes, Tom. That's the only reason somebody would want to play a certain race in a game. Is Well, how, Dark Sun, every, well, Dark Sun I tried that. Every other race... You, know, you can but, be a half-giant, Tom. Yeah, they still require water. Yes, but they're a half-giant, Tom. They have higher strength. There's monsters in the school, Tom. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Ooh, oldie but goldie. So structure and then play style. Play style is also pretty obvious. You know, what type, how is the game going to be played? Are you going to be doing a role-playing intensive where there's very little dice, more freeform? Or are you, are you, you going to do an action movie? Right. Or are you going to be doing the typical hack and slash, kick the door down, slit their throat, loot the bodies, you know, rinse and repeat? So uh, the only really big term, obviously, is structure. Now, when I mean structure, I mean basically that there are two sort of elements in a game, uh, plot and character. And so you have to figure out what type of emphasis you're going to put on because you can't emphasize – if you emphasize everything, you emphasize nothing. So you have to choose what's more important in your game. And now, a lot of people say, no, no, you don't have to choose. You can do both. 
Right. One will be in the forefront. Again, yeah. Well, again, if you try and make everything equal, nothing's going to be really interesting or dramatic. Every every really well-told story emphasizes one or the other. Or what they do is by emphasizing one, they bring out the other element. Now, you know, that sounds confusing, but let, let, let's just look at a few examples. Now, the first type of structure is the, the plot-focused campaign with a specific goal. As, as you often like to say, this is the take the ring to the fiery mountain. Right, or volcano. So, um, Well, fire, it was fiery mountain until it erupted, Ross. Then it was a volcano. Technically, oh, well, I'm not a volcanologist. I, no, you're, my God, Ross admitted he's not something. Yes, Tom. Wow. I'm I, not stupid either. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Anyways. You totally burn me. Yeah, exactly. Some, like a volcano would. Y- yeah. Some, yeah. Someone called the burn surgeon at the burn ward. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Someone called Dr. Flame at the burn ward. Woo. Anyways, so that's the typical, one of the typical campaign styles is very typical is, you know, you think you have this awesome quest, all long campaign goal that you want the players to go through. You know, we, you know, there's a re- uh, rebellion that the players have to survive or, you know, uh, yeah. overthrow the Most bad Most likely, guy. Yeah. you start as a farm boy who gets right. embroiled to the point where it finally ends. You right. save the world or the universe. Right. right. That's sort of the, the typical style. Now, of course, the other style is the ongoing plot, the, the sort of serial where... But it's like, focused around players, characters in particular. Well, there's, that's a third style, but the, the, the second style... Oh, no, whatever. <laughs> um... It's plot focused, but the plot changes. There's not one specific goal. Now, the, the best example for this is a superhero game where, you know, the plot, the game will focus on defeating villain A and then defeating villain B and then villain C. And, and then, then on, villain on. A comes back. And- right. And we, and, but he's really villain D. Oh, no one saw that coming. Oh, dude, yeah. blew my mind. So that's the idea is to. You know, emphasize, uh, you know, just have different plots. But again, the plot is the main thing. Now, the third type of game is the character focus game where each of the where you're focusing on the players, uh, the PCs themselves, their own goals and how they survive, live. And you mentioned before, well, a good example would be the Venture Brothers. Right. You know, it's each episode just basically focused around them. The plot is an excuse to reveal the characters. So, Mm -hmm. uh, now, for example, the old world of darkness or the world of darkness campaigns are supposed to be about that personal horror. You know, you're a vampire. What do you do to survive? Uh, very old school Gygax dungeon game, dungeon crawling games are actually character focused because it's about, you know, you're these characters, you're these adventurers trying to make a name for yourself, trying to get ahead. And so what do you do? You go to the dungeons, you do, but it's all, there's no overall goal. You're just trying to make a name for mm-hmm. yourself. You're trying to become rich and powerful and experienced. So. Uh, if you one dungeon doesn't work, you go to the next dungeon. You know, there's if no, you survive, right? Exactly. So now every campaign will obviously have elements of both plot and character development. So it's just your job to emphasize one or the other. Now, also this will change over time. You know, you start out with a very plot focused. Your campaign, your goal in this campaign is to defeat the dragon, to kill the dragon. But as you go on, you'll have little side adventures where each character is revealed. Yeah. And so or, on and so forth. Or it happened the other way. You you know you start with just a bunch of characters doing like just doing shit. Yeah, exactly. You, and okay. then and then after one of their many many adventures, suddenly an epic quest will come before them. Right, but you got to start somewhere. So yeah. just pick one of those three kind of tracks and go with it. And you know your campaign will evolve over time. But that's a very good point. They will it will change, and that's that's sort of a good way of showing that. Um, 
So, you know, you assume you have these three characteristics. You have your structure, you have your genre, you have your play style. Now, once you got those three figured out, then you need to basically just do some work building up the three main elements, which is uh, obviously the setting, you know. Now, obviously, setting in an RPG is usually defined. Oh, Forgotten Realms. Well, there's here's this big, fat, hardcover book. It's got all this crap. This is it. Well, I mean, that's part of the yeah. setting. You still have to do work on your own. You have to think about, okay, well, we're going to put this in Waterdeep. Well, what's going to be happening in Waterdeep? And, oh, well, there's another book about just about Waterdeep. Well, even so, like... What are the people? What's going on in in that setting at that time? Is it in you know? What's the own, what's the owner of the tavern on the corner doing? Or? Right, and you know this, and then so then you introduce the next element. You start working on the next element, the NPCs, and the NPCs that we're talking about are the ones that are going to be important to your game. Now you might think, oh well, I'll just think of all the big power players, all the heavy hitters, you know. Well, yeah, that that goes well, but. It's really who the cure the pl- uh, players interact with the most. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you may oh we're gonna have Elminster and uh, well, but if it's D and D, Durka well, Durka uh, the yeah. bad guy, I, I don't Zaz Tam or something. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, forgotten actual, realm characters. Who cares? But, forgotten realm sucks. You know. However, if <laughs> but think think about your average D and D game. What person does the PCs interact with the most? Yeah. The tavern keeper. Right. So make him pretty cool. Make him interesting. Give, it. and so you know once you you've written up some NPCs, um, then you you also need to work on conflicts and story hooks, and that's sort of a basic way of saying what the hell's going on. What are the players going to be interested in? So for example, you know tavern keeper. Well, maybe he has a treasure map kept behind uh, the bar, and or he, may, or maybe there's a uh, there's a trap door that's forever sealed in the back of his inn. Yeah. And you need to figure out what's going on, or any number of things. You just need to uh, uh, pick those and um, sort of develop them. So work on those three things: the setting, the NPCs, and then the conflicts and and you know story hooks, basically. So that's basically how, in a very short way, how I create a campaign. So of course, you know that that you're like, well, that's doesn't really help so what we're, we're gonna well, do yeah we, we just kind of threw we just kind of threw down the basic construction kit at you right but that's not gonna that'll get it's you, more of a checklist well yeah that's that'll only get you so far right so what we're gonna do is we'll, we'll talk about each of our own personal experiences yeah. building campaigns so i kind of think the best way to learn is through doing right well and seeing how other people do it mm-hmm. so and uh, there is no right way to do a campaign as long as you i mean the main thing is to cover all those those areas yeah there's no right way there are some wrong ways though. right remember the 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 world that you build the campaign you build only exists around the characters when the characters are in that space and time so you know you just have this bubble around the pcs all you have I mean, to do is fill in that I mean, bubble. It, yeah i mean it's kind of, it's it can be good to uh keep in your own mind what's happening outside the bubble right but only because occasionally that bubble may drift over into something right. else right yeah o- only pay attention to what's outside the bubble in regards to how it's going to affect the bubble the bubble is what we're talking about. Love the bubble. The bubble. Be the bubble. Yes, create the bubble. Anyways, so Tom, uh, you've been running a very, very long campaign. Well, I mean, I've, I've heard other people like, yeah, I've got a campaign going on for eight years now. and Well, 30 years. That's the longest. That's Blackmore. Right. So uh, Dave Arneson, who I met at Gen Con. Awesome. No, mine is like mine is my Gargoyles campaign, which has been going on for three and a half years now. Based on the Disney cartoon, right? Right. Right. Basically, we're doing the Gargoyles cartoon if it was rated, well, PG thirteen to two R. We we do some R stuff. Okay. 
Mostly language, because, uh, <laughs> well, come on, we're average gamers, we swear. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. Anyways. But, yeah, that one has been going on for three and a half years now, and still going on. Still going strong after all this time. Right. So- and... Now, when I, I get now, I guess the thing you want to you, well, you do, Ross, is say how I started it. Is yes. that right? Well, I will tell you. All right, then. It start, I started it out, first of all, we were watching the cartoon. I own it's the first season and the first half of season two. Right. And I've been a fan ever since the show came out. And it all started, I remember, well, the, it all started happening whenever you were in the car with Aaron and I. And you just happened to mention, I don't know what we were talking about, but you said, hey, you do know that there's a uh, White Wolf Gargoyles game, right? And, <laughs> I remember that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we, st- I mean, I, I, I stopped. I mean, Aaron kept talking. I don't know. I forget what he was talking about at the time because, like, that, but the, the whole time, the rest of the night, that's what my, my mind stayed on. Yeah. So I looked it up. Rules were okay. Yeah. I, I, but so I just kind of retweaked them. Then, before I did any of the work, I just came to my the group, like, hey, what would you think about a Gargoyles game? They're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Then I started working on it. All right. And the way I, I did it is I did it much like the series. I think of a, of a campaign as a season of a show. Okay. And what I did was I, I got where I wanted to start it. Mm-hmm. Some events that were like some major events that were going to happen in between and where I wanted this that particular season to end. Okay, so why don't we let's go back to the three elements mm-hmm. of starting a campaign the structure, the genre, and the play style. Right. So the genre you picked off right off the bat, and that was gargoyles. Yes. The and using the world of the darkness rules. So that, yeah. of course, and I, I also I had I also thought that well, vampire would work well too because both have to take place at night. Right. So I threw them into. By the way, that's by the way. My friend, my player David, has a hard time thinking that this is the world. This is not the world of darkness. He right. keeps thinking it is. I see. I had to make that. I have to keep telling him this is not the world of darkness. This is I Gargoyles, see. a show that he refuses to watch. <laughs> so he's been playing for three and a half years, and he still doesn't really know the setting. Well, he claimed the reason was so that he could like experience it, like as if he was he was a brand he was brand new in the world. Right. And he's still doing that. After three and a half years, but that's another okay. problem. So you had the genre pegged right yeah, away. Yeah, the genre, the genre came, actually came to me first. So play style, what about that? Play style, it. I had it started out as kind of a campaign thing. Okay, that's the way it started. Okay, I, I had this kind of grand. The first season, I will say, had this grand overall plot. Okay, that you know was like got really epic in nature, but. Eventually, the NPC. I mean, I threw in most of the NPCs from the show. Well, I mean, did you imagine it as sort of like? I mean, what kind of? I mean, what kind of play style did you initially envision it to be? Was it just hack and slash, or was it uh, actually mostly mostly uh, investigation with and, some combat? Okay, and uh, but mostly you know interaction heavy investigation. Okay, so lots of role. Okay, so that's role what playing. You, yeah. I wanted it role playing. Okay, so that's the play style you wanted. You had that pegged away. Right? Yeah, and actually that it stayed that way. Okay. That has stayed. Okay, good. And so the structure, it sounds like for the you beginning you sort of had the the overall goal. You had right. a basic, you know, they had their own ring to throw mm-hmm. on a volcano. But, and and at first I had just you know, the other PCs from the show, the major players from the show. Right. Which that worked out. I mean, we don't try to talk like them cuz I can't talk like Jonathan Frakes or whatever. Okay. But then we start. Then when we start bringing in the other players, like other van, like vampires, which of course weren't in there, but other players, soon we started having so much fun just interacting with other NPCs that it kind of just became more character driven. Okay. And the first season, I finished the epic story. Okay. I finished it. Then I thought in season two, 
I don't need I don't need any epic story. Okay. I just had a, I had a bunch of very kind of shorter like five to six session stories that worked perfectly. Okay. So you started again with the the overall quest, and then mm-hmm. as the so you started with that that st- that structure, and yeah. then. You moved on to character focus. And yeah, you've been to character focus ever since. Yeah, and now, and of course, it's by now. We, I have, I have a catalog of about a hundred and major NPCs in that game. Okay, now talk like these minor session, these minor arc story arcs. Mm-hmm. Like usually, what do you what it, when you envision one? What do you, what are, what is your process for developing? Well, the first thing I do is I think up of a cool nemesis. Okay, and that's not just person. That's you know, it, it could be a group. It could be a problem, mm-hmm. but I think of one that's just interesting, and that's what it always starts. Like, um, I had one that people like that someone had a, a cult had kidnapped a uh, dragon from the Fey realms, okay, and were basically bleeding it to get the blood to use for their own ends. Okay, that's I st- that's what I first thought. Like that'd be kind of cool, and then I develop it from there. Okay, everything goes out from that. So then I thought, okay, well then who? How much of that changes? How much of the work do you do beforehand, uh, before you run a game, and how much of it do you do in between games? Like the specific name stuff, kind of pretty much stays the same. Well, yeah. Like when I name the the antagonist, when I get the plot, but everything else I leave open to change. I do not set anything in stone except. So you don't spend a whole lot of time creating it. No, actually, I kind of, I kind of like. I've had this described to me by, by my friend Andy. He said I used to, we ran another game that he loved to play because my style was always the same. We get together, start playing, and I would just start with this interaction between the players and whatever NPCs were in the room. We go back and forth for about twenty minutes, just having a good time, and then someone's phone would ring. Okay, and that starts the whole thing. Okay, so that's what I did. I start off each each story with. You're kind of you're hanging around. Just I say, describe what you're. Like, here's where you are. What time of year it is. Describe what you're doing. Okay. I let that go for about th- upwards, sometimes an hour, if, okay. if it's really good. Right. Then someone calls. Someone, you know, someone. Now the elevator arrives, and someone's being bad news. A letter is delivered. Something. Okay. The hook. The hook. And and the thing with the group, it works beautifully. Once the hook's done, they're in. Okay. I don't. I, I rarely have to prod them along. I think one time I had to prod them along. Okay. Now, when you I- introduce a plot, a hook, a story, what do you want to achieve with that? Do you just are you doing it because you're more interested in seeing what they do or how their characters are revealed through the That's, plot? I like to do how their characters would deal with it. Okay. Like, like what their own personalities would do. And Aaron, you know, bless him, he is just the consummate do-gooder. Mm-hmm. The law, the lawful good, just everything is right, and it's really it's entertaining. But I, I can kind of predict how he's going to go. Okay. So I can kind of I can kind of tailor it to like well, if I want a specific thing to happen, I know exactly how to make it happen with him. Okay. But for the most part, I just I let their actions determine where everything goes. Okay. So let me let me try and characterize this, mm-hmm. and just tell me if this is an accurate assessment. When you're gaming, when you're running a game, you're ultimately trying to see who the player characters are and you're trying to build the, or you're trying to reveal them through how they go yeah. through the game. I mean, then yeah. that would be your central goal. If you could accomplish anything, it is to cr- have these fully fleshed out characters, yes. player characters. Uh, another great thing uh, that is also which of their allies, the allies they call in for the, for help on this mission. Okay. Cause I have given them a huge catalog of people that they've helped. Right. Allies. And, it's kind of it's kind of the put your it's like all right here's the mission put your team together here's the here, here are the dossiers of all the people you can call in on 
but not all of them are available. Right. And so there's another good hour of just getting in touch with allies okay. in various ways. Okay. So, I mean, you would be more, if you could choose between, you know, like having a character do something, you know, say Aaron's tested in a very moral crisis, mm-hmm. that's more important than you than, say, revealing who, uh, a mystery, you know, an external mystery, like saying revealing who the, the identity of the bad guy is less important to you than, say, yes. revealing, yeah, seeing what char- crit, yeah. uh, Aaron does in a crisis. That's, exa- that's exactly what I'm interested in seeing. I mean, okay. And once again, it, it changes occasionally. Like, I prefer to go with these, these, you know, short, you know, not, I don't want to say, sh- I don't say minor, but non-epic stories. And then, Every once in a while, it's like, all right, it's time for something epic. Okay. And, you know, and that's kind of like that that culminates, and then everyone's like, when they finish it, oh, dude, that was awesome. That that usually takes like 12 to 13, sometimes 15 sessions to do. Wow. And we play, we game regularly every week. So, okay. And then when that's done, like, oh, like, man, like, we need to cool down a little bit. So okay. then I'll have, then I'll, once again, just some very short stories and this that's that's the cycle it's you know i started epic you know small 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 throw in an epic small small that's what i've done for the last three and a half years and it's and it's apparently worked out great and are st- you still using the same rules same rules same old world of darkness these net rules for the gargoyles yeah i also with some additions yeah i've thrown in also other elements of the world of darkness uh i have i told you, i had vampires right are they the, the same vampires that we know yes of? they are, i have the same clans Although I have changed, like uh, the Camarilla, is, I don't have the Camarilla. Okay. They have organizations, but I also have uh, like werewolves. No meta plot. Right. I have werewolves and were creatures, but they're more the servants of the the Fey realms. Okay. Than you know servants of Gaia. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, I guess. And uh, I, I don't. Yeah, really. I don't. Uh, mages. Okay, I admit one of the one of the NPCs I threw in is Doctor Orpheus. <laughs> Not quite as goofy, right. but. Basically, the, the the top mage in New York City, where it primarily takes place. Right. And they they just love to call him because they say I can do him fairly well, which I don't think I can. But <laughs> well, even a bad or Doctor Orpheus impression uh, can be entertaining in its own. Yeah. Right. Well, I think they, they they say what they like is that I can actually continue, you know, to say whatever I'm saying in that ever ever rising voice. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. All right, so uh, that again, that that's you can see uh, how all these elements come in. Uh, Tom developed, you know, had picked a very specific structure. It evolved into a very different structure mm-hmm. from plot to character, but he had the genre, the play style nailed down. Uh, the the setting, the NPCs, the conflicts, they all sort of gradually evolved, fr- reacting to the characters, mm-hmm. and that's what Tom's interested in. So everything is in service to that end goal. So if you're if you know what you want as a game master, you know then. Uh, you can do that. Now, me, I'm a little more plot-focused, you could say. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I've run several campaigns. None of them have been as long as him, I mean, uh, as Tom, but i just go some of the uh, uh, other ones that I've done. Now, one of the ones I've done that was sort of actually sort of an ongoing plot was an Iron Heroes game I ran. I was not in that one, unfortunately. Right. Now, basically, the genesis of that is Iron Heroes is a D20 fantasy supplement uh, or alternate version of the rules where no character has magic all the characters are essentially conan-esque badasses and you can be an archer you can be an assassin you can be just a you know psycho guy with a sword and so what i did is i got this box set the wilderlands which is this massive basically it's these two maps of a whole continent and every little five miles is a hex Mm -hmm. and each hex 
has a description in two books, in one of two books. So every single five-mile section of this entire continent has something going on in it. Right. So basically I said, all right, you're starting on this edge of the map right here. And your mission, if you want to do it, is basically explore it and eventually come back to your own town and tell them what the hell is going on. So do whatever you want. Go whatever direction you want. Go nuts. Yeah. So they were, you know, basically young noblemen who wanted to make names for themselves. So essentially it was an ongoing plot, a serial. So every town they came to, there was something new going on. There was something different. You know, there may be an athletic contest that one of them wanted to win. Maybe there was a deadly cult in another one. Maybe there was a deadly, you know, bandit or monsters attack. Or plague in another one. Or a corrupt empire uh, that was... Mm. You know, and they eventually got roped into all this stuff, and they as good, took as place, good players, should. yeah, uh, in a rebellion. They picked up an NPC who they mm-hmm. just thought was great, uh, uh, an orc with no arms, uh, Cassius, uh, who they rescued from goblin slavery, and he became an advisor because uh, he was a proud warrior. He just had lost both his arms in war, so uh, he was. <laughs> that kinda, makes it hard to do battle. Yeah, no, exactly. So. That was an ongoing plot, and that and that was very simple for me. I would just basically, all right, where are you going? This, all right, uh, here's what happens. I, and then all I did for in prep, you know, uh, was to create potential encounters. And then so I just flipped through. Okay, well, we'll do this, or I'll throw this down. And I improvised a lot of what happened. But the players had a ball with it, and they loved it. And when they wound up in the capital city, and a riot broke out, and they all had plot and entry going on, their characters were revealed by how they reacted to Mm -hmm. it. But again, it was just sort of, what happens, happens. I mean, it's sort of like a daily life. It wasn't like a... it's sort of like what sort of fiction you want to emulate. You know, do you want to emulate a specific quest, or do you want to emulate the 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 Viking sagas, which are basically all right. Oh, you know, uh, us and some guys got in some boat raided over here. Then we went over here and we killed these dudes, and we went over here and we killed these dudes. And those well, are the Viking a lot, sagas. A lot of dudes and killing. Yeah, exactly. And so that was kind of it, a Viking saga sort of tale, mm-hmm. and uh, they all loved it. And so it lasted for about six months, and. Uh, we ended it because of the semester, basically, and uh, so that was sort of an ongoing plot. And so, obviously, the the, the genre, the playstyle, I picked out very early on. And at first, it was very hack and slash, but I sort of toned it back and let more of just mm-hmm. what their characters wanted to do. Because uh, oh, and though the combat was very cinematic, because that's what Iron Heroes is is very you know, I jump off the balcony, grab the rope, swing down, cut grab the guy's the chandelier. Head off. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. this is too low tech for chandeliers. Oh, okay. okay. So <laughs> there's um, never a bad time for yeah. chandeliers. And the structure was always the serial was just what's going on this week. Mm-hmm. And you know, the characters they had their own problems or stuff, but I didn't really focus on any one player because I was like, yeah, screw it. This is too cool. So yeah. and there's another thing I like about you know the campaigns that when they're when they're really into it. And they have a. They actually one has a personal problem with the other for something the other player did. Yeah, they'll actually argue it out in character, <laughs> almost like. And it's, it's like they're not even really trying to do it; they're just doing it because they've role played their character so long. So yeah, and there are times as a GM, I just sit back and let them. go. I love those times. I love those times. Where, like um, where you actually have to. Oh, am I needed now? All right. Yeah. Uh, um, I've only done that in a few games, but I love it when that happens. Rain is a game good mm-hmm. for that because everyone's got their own political intrigue. But anyway, so that's one style of the Iron Heroes. Now, I have done character uh, focus campaigns too, uh, which would be my zombie survival horror game, where basically right. everyone played themselves, 
And so, the object was to get out. Well, was to not die. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well to, to leave. And I city. said it in Springfield, which is where we all live, or uh, the players and I lived. And so it was a shorter campaign, and one only one player died. But they all, you know, a lot of it was, you know, what are we going to do to survive? But they also had to figure out what they wanted to do. You know, do mm-hmm. they want to save other people? Do they want to get more supplies and just protect themselves? Do they want to protect each other? The you know, one, like, the one of the main things I remember about that is one person crashed his car into the wall of uh, SMS when, yeah. when it was still SMS and just like and was arguing with you like I can't have taken that much damage you ran a car at 50 miles an hour <laughs> into a brick wall yeah so um, and you didn't have your seatbelt on so again for the structure uh, the genre and the play style those are always easily picked out and the setting I just used reality and the conflicts and story hooks were all basically you know genre dictated uh so the crazy, you know, zombies, crazy people who are trying to steal supplies from you or just kill you because they're crazy, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Now, uh, let's talk about a little bit, of, you know, about campaigns because when you develop the thing is the reason why it's important to develop the structure, the you know, the genre, the playstyle, all these things early on is because uh, of this word expectations, and they, this is very important because actually. Um, player expectations sort of make or break the game. If your players have the wrong expectations, or if you take a wrong turn, you know, a 90 degree turn the wrong way, then uh, your game is going to die. And um, so, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I. I haven't had any actual campaigns that have died because normally they don't last long enough to be a campaign. Right, but I've had I've had some short ones die because I was thinking something. Apparently, the players were thinking something else. Right, but you know, for example, your gargoyles game. If you suddenly decided to run ultra realistic combat, and you know, with one minor battle with a vampire, three of the players are dead or crippled, you would Mm. be like, "Ah, this campaign is dead. This sucks." Mm -hmm. So, or if you decided to say, "Ah, Cthulhu shows up, you all go crazy and die." Ha ha ha! The end. That would or. uh, 9-11 9-11 happens when you're stuck in stone on the roof of the building. Yeah, that would be pretty gay. So Yeah, actually, they I said, they did make one request. Yeah. They said, since this is the Gargoyles universe, can we just say that 9-11 never happened? Okay. And I said, yeah, okay. All right. They've so, never, ever mentioned... See, because they, they, they don't want that to deal with that kind of real-world stuff. and Because no. it's obviously an urban fantasy. That game. and... Xanatos, the billionaire of the story, his building's bigger than the World Trade Centers. That would have been the target. Right. So, anyways, let me talk about my abortive campaign that that broke this player expectation. It was basically D and D three point I believe, uh, and it was a pirate game, and it was themed in reality. So there weren't any fantasy races. There was, you know, English, French, Spanish. Well, there was magic. Right, there was magic, but it was it, there weren't any. Well, I I know where this came from too. Everyone had just seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Andy was one in particular who requested of you, dude. It's like, hey, Ross, you're, you know D and D. Could you run a a pirate based D and D game? Yeah. So I cobbled something together, and basically it was circumnavigate the world. First one who wins, you know, gets a huge treasure. Yeah, gets to be a you know a count or a baron or whatever else. I think it was I think it was Duke all the way up the the yeah like it was, something it was, something it was pretty K rad. Yeah. So, anyways, players take off from Spain or Portugal or whatever. Yeah, it was a uh, it was Portugal. Yeah, and they went to Mexico and Aztecs, obviously, this, mm-hmm. because we're not going really strict on historical authenticity. Um, no, Aztecs were in Mexico, Ross. Well, yeah, at not probably at the time that 
pirates were around. But, you know. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyways. The golden age of piracy, uh, the Aztecs were neatly destroyed by Yeah, them. exactly. But we weren't worried about that. And they weren't really pirates. They were explorers. So, you know, whatever. Minor details. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't flying the black skull and crossbone flag. Right. Uh, so anyways, the game goes pretty well for the first couple sessions because basically the players land in there, discover the Aztecs, and the Aztecs say, uh, help us with this quest or help us with this thing, and we will ask the Aztec gods to pick up your ship and put you on the other side of Mexico. Which, Bas- that would save it's about... It's like the Panama Canal through God, you know? Yeah, and that which saves, like, I think three to four months off your trip. Right. So the player's like, oh, we have to do that because there are other ships and blah, blah, yeah, blah, Andy, blah. Andy was the captain. I remember that. Yeah. So they were all just who all was on, who all? Do you remember who all was in that game? One of Andy's friends who I can't remember. You, I believe Chris. Chris was on it. Oh, yeah. the... Jessica. Pig's foot. Chris was pig's foot. Yeah. Who would slap his chest. Who would literally slap his <laughs> belly every time he talked. Yeah. So um, anyways... First few sessions go great because they and they eventually get the help of the Aztecs. The Aztecs summon their god. Mm-hmm. Oh, and of course, I, I had one of my really famous lines from there. Yeah. I was playing a dragon disciple. Okay. The uh, old school one. So the more I'd be like a half dragon, I became. All right. Now I remember that when I got to the ninth level half dragon, I got wings. Yeah. I just you know for like who wants a dragon ride, <laughs> and that apparently stuck that's at least with andy still i i can mention that today and he's like dude i remember that uh, okay so that's, anyway so there were some good times but yeah it, it goes well until it, after the yeah the, what happens is that's well sort of where it breaks is because they plop down on you know the pacific ocean and you know they're like all right yeah yeah all right well time to keep going and they're like all the players or well, most, mo- of the players, most, yeah, most of the players are just like what we won no and i was no you didn't won. you you still have to Go around. You have to cross the uh, the Pacific. Yeah. You know, go around Asia and India. We did one more session where they got to India or China and the I the Philippines. Remember, we got to the Philippines. Yeah, something like that. And you know, they're talking to some king and I, I'm just they're just You not, could you could sense it's going. Yeah, they just they just wanted they they I don't know, they they felt betrayed or they felt anger, they were just pissed off. Because I just changed. Because to them, I changed the terms of the game. I had suddenly just done an erupt one eighty and say, "Ah, oh, you don't win. Ah, now there's more crap before you win." And so, I don't know if it, you know if I just poorly communicated what they had to do. I or- think okay. I think uh, Andy's Andy's confided in me in later time and early now. To, now, he said that one of the things he didn't like was he wanted it to be just a. Flight out, you know, pirates game with some mystical elements, and he complained you turned it into a D and D game. Okay, uh, I think because like, there was a lich on a in a, in Mexico. Uh, oh no, no, that was in the Philippines. That yeah, was, that was in the Philippines. There was a was lich. Where, yeah, and uh, Andy says one he's realized that we're not playing a pirate game anymore. We're playing a D and D game. All right, so yeah, that was my fault for introducing a lich. Um, and really, honestly, the D and D rules weren't really at that. T- this was three and there weren't really a whole lot of alternate rule supplements to run that sort of game. Books, and I, they weren't out yet. I mean, well, they were all just well, generic D and D stuff. I mean, there weren't really uh, alternate rules for running a D twenty game with your own setting. There wasn't anything like True Twenty. There wasn't anything like Mutants and Masterminds. There wasn't anything you know uh, that could really do that. Right. So. 
So that was so you have to once you create the, these. Uh, the main thing, the lesson from it is that whenever you create a campaign, whenever you figure out, you know, your all these elements, the structure, genre, playstyle, blah blah blah, you need to communicate them to your players and make sure everybody has the same expectations for the game and to keep to that. You know, uh, now obviously you, you, they aren't set in stone like in Tom. You can sort of organically evolve them, change yeah. them over time if the players are in with it. You know, if they're if they're good to go. But if Tom had changed, if Tom decided, all right, next mission you're going to be a SWAT team. You know, you're 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 the government enslaves you. You have to go fight terrorists. They would be like, what? Yeah, they I, would. I, no, I'm sorry. I'd be like, I was like, no, actually, I'm gonna, you, you know, if you, oh, I, sound of the pencil. Like, no, we're done. Yeah. yeah, screw you. Uh, no, it's civil war. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. Half of you are going to be with the government. Half of you are going to be without the government. And you're going to be fighting, okay? Each other. over. The, yeah, that would not work. In glad underground gladiatorial combat. Right. Yeah, or no, the devil cut yeah, uh, all of those favorite NPCs you like, they get killed. But then the devil comes with you. And uh, uh, if you sell your soul, for they'll all come back to life. One more day. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not. I I could get into that, but that's usually another hour of me just saying, you know, saying, ah, ah, fuck you, fuck you, ah. All right. So that's uh, that's sort of the the lesson here is don't fuck around with that shit. Um. Anyways, another campaign that I did with a long epic goal, but gradually had a lot of character development was a Hunter the Reckoning campaign. This yeah. was another semester long campaign, and that's sort of been falls. Almost all my players are students, so they're around during the semester and then they leave. So I started at the beginning of the semester and then you know, end it, yeah, end at yeah. the end of it. So it was Hunter the Reckoning, Old World of Darkness. I said basically the beast. This thing is. I introduced the beast in the first session, and he's like, he's gonna destroy the world, and it's up to you guys to save it. Are you bad enough, dudes? And I said yes, and died in the second session. It was the third session. Well, that was the second session. All right, I'm, I don't remember exactly. Anyways, so, and I started the game out for the wedding, and then the dead show up, undead show up, and bad things happen. The players are all awakened. And anyways, you know, it, it always had this specific goal, the quest. Mm. But each player, you know, developed a character through role-playing. You know, John, he, you know, uh, wrote post to HunterNet to develop his character. And you actually philosophy. did, like, HunterNet stuff. Yeah, exactly. You, like, and I wrote my own HunterNet. Uh, uh, we've talked about this before on the mm. podcast. I've uploaded that PDF. It's on our website somewhere. Um, so you can read that newsletter and get an idea of it. But so that's that's the sort of the structure that I stuck to. But each by going through this plot and all the ordeals and challenges they had, all the characters were revealed. They were developed. You know, not just Man. you know they didn't. Oh, we got lots of experience. No, they 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 suffered. They gained. Yeah. They Even lost. my werewolf that came in after. Right. My, my yeah. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was originally playing an an a, a IRA supporter, like former fighter for the IRA named McGinty. But second session, he got into a fight with something badass, and it was a little more badass than he was. Right, I mean, it was still a very lethal campaign, even. Right, so Ross and Ross had said that he would allow one, maybe two, but mo probably one supernatural to be in the group, besides the hunters. And since I was the only guy that lost a character, I just said, "All right, I'll do it, and I'll do what I do best, which is werewolf." And it was kind of interesting having a you know being a werewolf who was actually sent in to try and find out about this beast himself, and then try to integrate with this group. Right, which they we did role play that out very well. I thought. 
Yeah, even Aaron was in that campaign, and he did mm-hmm. pretty well. He had his own, you know, like what I did in order to focus on each character is I would do different challenges focused on an individual character. Aaron had his own thing where he had to face the uh, uh, a guardian of this labyrinth. Um, ever got the specific contest? You had your own werewolf things. Uh, everyone and, uh, and Matt, and it was great. I just I will commend you. Not all that. Not all the problems could be could be solved by me going Krynos and tearing it apart. Oh yeah. Which a lot of people I know who play werewolf, if they can't handle a problem like that, they're like, oh. Like, can you can you uh, provide us with an example? I'd... Well, yeah. Like remember when we were in the uh, that like kind of fifties under you know, government bunker yeah, where the yeah. whole thing started. Yeah, Tartarus. Yeah, there was. I believe there. I forget exactly what was still down there, but it was it was like I think it wasn't quite physical. It was like a ghost. I think it was yeah. some sort of psychic. Ghost that was still or... trying to uh, fuck with us. Yeah. I couldn't, and I couldn't just even. I couldn't step sideways and deal with this. Oh yeah. I, I you know we had to actually deal with it with. I think I believe the equipment that was still in the bunker. Oh okay. We had yeah. to we had to use the equipment in the bunker. Yeah. So you have to. And, be- and and I knew nothing about technology. I think I had like a drive of one. That's the extent of it. <laughs> All right. So the, so I mean, there you go. Uh, um, give each character, you know, like yeah. we've said before, give each character a chance to shine. So even in a plot quest focused game, you can you know have each character developed each character revealed you know everyone has their own chance to show their strength weaknesses personality whatever else how they do these things so that would be another thing um so let's see here what else oh there the first campaign i think that i ever ran that was a success was actually a very character focused campaign it was forgotten realms and basically uh back in 3.0 days uh, each player was basically someone who was in, who had been enslaved by this red wizard, and they were in this remote work camp. And then one day, the red wizard and all the guards yeah, disappear. Up and leave. Yeah, and we're left on our own. Yeah, so basically, it's like a sandbox type game. But all everyone, every character in the camp is looking to the PCs for help and aid. So it's like, what do you want to do? I mean, do you like do you strike it on our own? Do we help these people out? Right. And you decided to basically make a go of it, make a settlement, or basically, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where of course we're the prominent members of it, of right? That. So you made your so I mean that that revealed the characters even through dungeon crawling and dealing with the other thing. Uh, uh, and, and there nearby. was like you know delving into the dungeon they had us clearing out. Yeah. So, but I think it's the more interesting stuff was just dealing with the different factions in this camp that that popped up. Yeah. So. And how to deal with how do we get enough supplies to feed everyone? Or yeah. And uh, I think, you, as you said there, that we could we could eventually start growing our own stuff. But short term, we had to like deal with this unsavory group, this even more unsavory right. group, or this group we don't know anything about. Right. So yeah, there were you know conflict, diplomacy, neg- yeah. I mean, it had a lot. So and that was a that was a good game. It was a shorter campaign. It was like eight sessions, ten sessions, yeah. something like that. Um, but it last. It was everyone had fun. So that, I think I, we finally realized. Hey, this was like this is the eighth session of this thing. Yeah, I mean that was sort of the breakthrough, um, and then finally, of course, there was a, another D and D campaign, epic level campaign. Oh yeah, that was basically everybody wanted to play a twenty first level character. So because <laughs> everyone had the book yeah. or has read the book. Yeah, it's three point five. Everybody but, had no. It wasn't just a book. I mean, the epic was just like the least of it. It was like I have. Five splat books. I have all these hardcover books with all these cool prestige classes with that all these we cool never, magic items. Ever get to do? Yeah, or because and so why don't we do them all at once? So everybody just yeah. I think the, there's one of the reasonings someone gave was I think it was Patrick. It's like you know 
is like everyone says, I hope to get this game to epic level. It never will. Yeah. It never will. Because we're not the ones who, I mean, your group could probably do it if you were all into mm-hmm. D&D like that. And if you've been playing D&D for three, you know, four years, yeah. you could have done it. But, I mean, you're not interested in that, so... Um, and you know, this group's a little more instant gratification type thing. <laughs> well, it's just again we the composition of the group changes a lot. But then again, we all we all agreed. We all thought let's try a twenty a twenty first level game. Yeah, and I think so, we I think we had to talk you into it. <laughs> but yeah. okay, when all the players unanimously say we want this, that's generally a good sign. Like, I should maybe give him that. Yeah. So what I did was basically reach into sort of the uh, exalted ra- realm of. You know, epic kick ass fantasy, and uh, there was an ancient CR 45 dragon that would be like, I'm gonna fuck up everyone's shit. And uh, that was sort of the overall plot. But the players, like, all right, what are you gonna do? You know, um, this is where I first did the Cobalt Crime Lord, I right. believe. It was sort of yeah. an ongoing plot. And, and every, everyone, every, everyone wanted some political power. Yeah. No one just wanted, like, I like like in my time off. I just kind of I sit in the tavern and just you know look at people. Yeah. No, everyone wanted. I some, think every character took leadership, at least leadership, if not epic leadership. No, I took I took all the way up to epic commander and that one feat that you that you made up, which gives us control of a whole kingdom. Yeah. You, I took that as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty crazy, and everyone had a good time with it, even with the two session eight or ten hour mind flayer city battle. Uh, but well, the th- yeah, the thing is, we, no, none of us felt like it was that long. Yeah, because we were like, I mean, by the time we were, we got into like it was two th- sessions. By the time I think by the second, by the end of the first session, we were all on our feet. Just no, no, okay, no, here we, we were yeah. shouting shit back and forth. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I loved it just because I could actually challenge you all, and it wasn't just you know. Um, yeah, to keeping yeah. track of everything. But it was important, and you did. You gave us fights that were easy to do. Yeah. Where you're like, you really want a piece of this motherfucker? Come on. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so that, that of course, was a lot of work because, uh, uh, you know, the structure, obviously, was sort of an on, a serial. Yeah. And even worse, you yeah. had to keep the battle mat as it was for a whole right, week. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so, which means you couldn't use your table. Right. But, yeah, I, I somehow suffered. But, I mean, to create that campaign... You know the genre, the playstyle, pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. You know D and D fantasy, which is its own genre of fantasy and its own playstyle of fantasy. Um, NPCs, I just looked for any epic level NPC on the internet and copied it. Mm-hmm. You know the D twenty SRD, all these other things. Uh, I just grabbed everyone I could or whatever book I could find that had epic level characters and used that because uh, I like statting up epic level characters on your own is a bitch. Yeah, which is why you demanded everyone have their character made before we start. Yeah, no joke. Um, conflicts and story hooks were actually was pretty character focused. Like I, I would have, I didn't really create dungeons. I would just say like, "What are you gonna do? I, I have these bad guys ready to kick your ass, but how, what are you gonna? I mean, they're plotting. What are you mm-hmm. gonna do?" So it was very character focused. Yeah, I had the I had the mafia done, so I did a bunch of mafia stuff. Right, and uh, I would throw in story hooks. Oh, they're the bad guys are going to be doing this this week. So each week it was sort of like a serial, an ongoing mm-hmm. thing. And uh, so the setting, again, was just sort of a you know, generic world. And it was all derived from the NPCs because that was the, 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 the weakness in creating that game was how time-intensive it was to create those guys. So anyway, so those are, and then, of course, finally, you know, Mass Denial of the Tap. Pre-published right. campaign. But the interesting thing is even when you're running, there, are, there actually aren't that many published campaigns. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are adventures, and then there are campaign settings, 
but there's no like how to run a 20 game session from beginning to end because right. i mean i've looked there actually aren't that many i mean there's there's and there, there haven't been many published in the last couple of years i don't know when it is but i mean there's path i mean pa, uh Pazio does it those adventure paths right that's about it though I mean, that's the only one I could really find. I mean, sure, there, there have been others in the past, but there haven't been a whole. And Chaosm does some, but anyways. What you do with a published adventure is you can still, it's how you interpret it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, for Macedonia Lothotep, when I started, I basically went by the book. I yeah. was very I mean, we could tell. I mean, we could tell by the, by the way the bookmark was moving through the book yeah. of how we were progressing. So... I just looked at the book, but about halfway through, I was like, all right, I'm comfortable enough with this material. I'm going to run it my own way. So I opened it up. I gave players more, because also halfway through the campaign, they say, oh, you can do this, you can do that. You know, like by Africa, it gets very open. You can just do whatever. Or not whatever, but you, you have a lot of options. So I sort of interpreted it my own way. So that's the key when you're using a published campaign, is how you interpret it. Because you could run the same campaign, you know, twenty different right ways. You could run it as a very like Mask and I Lothotep as a very character focused campaign. Well, something as simple as succeeding on a certain skill test where once before you didn't. Well, with masks, you know, if you ran it, toned down the lethality, up this, you know, kept the sanity loss about the same, and then emphasize create these customized hooks for each character, you know, and create have them create elaborate backstories. Then you have a very character focused campaign. Mm-hmm. If you design a standard. Call a Cthulhu character. Right. Then you're like, uh, I'm an ex-KGB gun runner or something like that, which is what um, I, I know I've mentioned this before on the show. You know, characters well, started out as scholars. NKVD yeah. back in the 20s. Well, whatever. Um, you know, at the start of the campaign, everybody's making, you know, private investigators, scholars, reporters. Into the campaign, they were gun runners and assassins. Yeah. We, uh, we're like, we see where this is going. Yeah. So... That's in a nutshell what you need to do to run a what we're la- what, we're, what we're laboriously getting to. Yeah, uh, again, it's just sort of thinking about beforehand about what kind of type of game you want to run, uh, developing the material to run it, and then making sure you keep the expectations of the players. You know, that, and th- that's really the key. Is uh, you know when you plan ahead, then you're ready for all kinds of contingencies, right. and Whatnot, and so. Um, any last thoughts on the subject, Tom? Uh, no matter how great the idea, the awesome idea you just thought about, players will fuck it up. Well, it'll change. Yeah. So if you if you just stubbornly refuse to change it, which has happened once or twice before in a game I've been in, right? That you know, no matter how uh, when when you know how much subtle body language and subtle innuendo we're trying to throw out, like let's pick up the pace here. Come on, or right. Or, uh, you know, dude, we've been investigating this shit for, like, three hours now. Can we please shoot something? Right. So, again, it, that's what you need to do. It, it, or, I wouldn't say need to do, but... Uh, Campaigns are fluid. Yeah. You know, yeah, they change over time. So, you know, like my Venture Brothers campaign, I was starting, oh, they're going to arch a superhero. They don't... Players don't seem to care that much about the superhero. So, they're probably going to be more concentrating on doing their own evil stuff. So, that's fine. Eventually, hopefully, we'll you know get into harassing the superhero. Right. So, um, anyways, of course, uh, this wouldn't be RPPR if we didn't have our uh, regular uh, segments. So next up, we'll have a letter from Tom. Then, of course, shout-outs and uh, anecdotes. Keep keep listening. There's more. Right. Seriously.
letter from me. I have much guilt inside me. I know that that is a strange thing to say in a podcast about gaming, and I want it to be clear that none of this comes from my very light Catholic upbringing. Indeed, the last time I went to church, I smuggled in some 1986 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures and had a grand melee between Raphael and Rocksteady during most of the sermon. No, my guilt is gaming-related. Normally, I am able to contain the guilt, but last night I found myself sitting at my computer, sobbing uncontrollably, playing Neverwinter Nights while flagellating myself with a piece of red rope licorice. So I feel I must release the guilt right away. Bless me, Game Master, for I have sinned. It's been never since my last confession. I've been playing a lot of horror games lately, and in many of them, I have done things to purposely go insane. Indeed, in the last one I played, I gleefully drank a potion that turned humans into horrible blood ghouls. And forgive me, but I didn't just drink one bottle of it. I drank an entire crate. I even brought someone with me to pour it down my throat when I passed out. I drank it to excess, and I am not sure, but it's possible that after I became a blood ghoul, I may have killed the person who was helping me. I've also been lying about die rolls a lot lately. I simply cannot resist the allure of lying about a roll when the success of that roll would allow my character to look awesome in some way. And it wasn't just d20 rolls either. In that same horror game, I was doing it with d6s. I know it was wrong, but the GM didn't seem to even notice all the 5s and 6s I was rolling. I've also been lying during character creation. With point-based systems, I add on several points to make my character more badass than the others. And with randomly rolled systems, I once again lie about the dice. And I do it because I know the GM will never question my attributes or total up all the points on my sheet. He's too busy trying to get a game underway with five or six fuck monkeys who didn't bother to make characters beforehand. Wow, that feels good. And I don't feel the need to do repentance either. No hail Gygaxes or six stations of the hexagonal map grid for me. No, my penance derives from the fact that I'm reading this out loud, right now, in front of the GM who runs those games. And Ross's look of betrayal and anger should suffice. And the best thing about all of it is that after he edits this episode together, in a few days, he will forget all about it, allowing me to continue to bear false gaming witness. Bless the fact that the attention span of the average gamer lies somewhere around the duration of the bitch slap of a hummingbird. Look inside my Wow, Tom, that uh, that was very honest of you. I I needed to get it off, get it out of my system. Uh, you might, although your perception of what I I was doing is actually slightly wrong, Tom. I actually noticed that that kind of thing when you're. Do you just? It's hard not. Do you just not care? No, I I care. I just I don't think it's worth calling you out in the middle of the game because it's a game, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you feel the need to cheat at pretending to be an imaginary person in an imaginary world then uh what what can you do to me that i haven't already done to myself <laughs> i i mean i can always kill your character so uh i'll just make up i'll you can continue to do that i'll just be uh, uh arbitrarily harsh to your character and every time i have to think of some punishment for the group oh the uh the monster grabs tom's character and rips him apart oh look at that the cthulhu eats your 1d6 investigators oh only a one. Oh, poor tom your character <laughs> dies Oh, yeah. uh, uh, oh! You roll. I rolled max sanity loss. Oh, your character blows up again. Well, you see, 
I have to deal with my guilt, Ross. Yeah. And confessing is a way to do that. Well, also, it doesn't really count, though, unless you, you, you don't do it in the future. Mm. Can you can you all roll honestly, Tom? I will try. Okay, Tom. I, I appreciate that. Because, you see, I have this thing called grace. I, I believe it's better to run a fun game than to call out somebody in the middle of the game and just... You know, try and make them look. Let them your co-host too. So. Well, it, it's more just because it's a game, and I'm here to have fun. And if you and feel the know, need to and cheat, you will, it, and you've known me longer than most of the other players. Yeah. Well, maybe. yeah. I mean, even if it was somebody else, unless it was, unless the player's cheating was to the detriment of everyone else, then I would like, all right, you're you're being a jackass. You know, like in player versus player combat. I would do that, or well, if, usually in player versus player combat, you like let's have a, you roll, you roll. Them yeah, out here. right in the middle of the open. So, um, yeah, in something like that, I would. But overall, it's just like I would prefer pe- people to be honest. But if they really feel the need to cheat, I mean, I'm not going to be a dick about it because it's a game. I'm here to have fun. So, uh, speaking of that, I uh, well, we'll, we'll, we usually do the shout outs first, but. Um, well, I kind of want to do an anecdote, or part of an anecdote first, because... Dude, Ross, you're breaking the ro- you're breaking the flow here. Just talking about Grayson being, you know, cool about the game. You know, I was, I'm was i playing in a game run by Rob of Bear Swarm, the guy, right. the main host of uh, the Bear Swarm podcast. And Is this the military one? Yeah, the military yeah, New the, World. This is the one I did one session because I thought we were doing yours. Yeah. I wasn't technically invited. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I second game I've been in there. Um, the basic mission, I'll get more into it in the anecdote, but we're supposed to military dudes taking back at silo base. The thing is, he says the silo is eight to 10 miles below the surface, a nuclear missile silo base. Shall we repeat that? Yeah. Eight to 10 miles and a missile silo. Yeah. Eight to 10 miles. Yeah. So I was like, uh, that's a very deep base. Wow. Do they have enough fuel to get out of the silo? But other than that, I didn't say anything. I didn't say, like, dude, you can't do that. I didn't like stop the game and say, no, it's not, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to be that guy who's a dick just to prove that he's right. And I felt the urge yeah. to be a dick. And at eight miles down, you actually have to deal with like the heat of the... Yeah. You know, the yeah. Anyway, I knew, the, uh, I knew all that. I didn't say... I, did, I just decided to bite my tongue and not call it out and just ruin the game by saying, no, it's not like that. Ah, my suspension of disbelief is broken because you know what? Fuck it. It's a game. I'm here to have fun. Now, if it continued to get even more bizarre, you might have well, to say if something. Well, if it got to be the point where it was not fun, then yeah. But I'll go into why the game was fun in the anecdote. So why don't we go back to our, our shout-outs. Shout um. Tom, you have one that you'd like to talk about. Speaking of uh, errors or uh, factual. Yes. Um, I remember I was watching you read this book. Well, not I wasn't staring watching you, <laughs> but I noticed you were reading it on the way back from Gen Con. Right. Which was Day by Day Armageddon. It's I a for- novel. Yeah, I forget who it's by. It doesn't matter, Tom. It doesn't matter. Um, it's basically a guy. Uh, it's like a guy's journal during a zombie apocalypse. A fighter pilot. Uh, yes. Well, I will say that it is a awesome example of how to never write a story like that <laughs> okay <laughs> first of all right off the bat zombie survival is better when we're dealing with mostly normal people i'm talking you know about the farthest i want to go is maybe a like an army private or a cop this guy is a marine corps fighter pilot 
who um oh god you mentioned this to me i didn't i didn't quite wrap my brain around just what when you told me about it his house yeah his had solar panels and submarine batteries that another guy in the navy had hooked him up with so he could be totally self-sufficient yeah in his solar panels and submarine batteries plus lots and lots of guns yeah, like the the supply guy just up uh, as uh, you know. Oh, here's like you know six has a thousand rounds of ammo. Yeah, so yeah, that that that's sort of like oh, okay, this is just an excuse. Then and shambling zombies overtook the world in a week. Yeah, or like a matter of a couple. No, of weeks. what what's the, the what's the straw that broke the camel's back for you? The straw that broke the camel's back for me is I could I bought I bought it up to a point. Like, yeah, even okay. the submarine battle. Yeah, I, I kind of like all right, I'll give him that. It was when it was announced that the government's decision to deal with this threat was to nuke the major cities of America. I actually stopped there. <laughs> and I thought about it for about a minute. <laughs> I read it again. <laughs> and I thought, this is their plan. To purposely nuke the major cities of America. To stop zombies. Yeah. And never mind the fact, where would like where would people live after the crisis is over? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, what government would destroy its own infrastructure? All of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Not just some of it, all of it. Every major uh, uh, center of oh, industry, that, that, transport, all, uh, like all the major air, like most yeah. major airports. Yeah, exactly. The whole fucking yeah, just communications. Yeah, exactly. Technology, knowledge. Yeah, to d- deal with creatures that can be dealt with by infantry. Yeah, and also n- another. That's nothing. I can never understand how the shambling zombies can overtake the world. Right. On, I have no. I and I have tried every bit to suspend my disbelief. I simply to this day. Well, cannot. World War Z gets it right. I think, or it mm-hmm. gets it closest to right by its sort of staggered. Not every and countries don't fully break down. They partially break down. Mm-hmm. Like people leave like densely populated cities and go to the country, but government holds in the country. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not. I could see you know a city with tens of millions of people falling because there's just so many fucking people, and it's you know and never mind the zombies. Also, the chaos of right of all that going on. Yeah, and the infra- but yeah, but in this one, it's like there's like maybe a thousand survivors in America. Yeah, like God flips the apoc- zombie apocalypse button, and when he flips it on, oh, well, there's zombies everywhere, people nowhere. And I. Okay, now you know the the running zombies of like twenty eight days later and the new dawn of the dead. Yeah, I can. I, I'm like they're man, infected, Tom. And twenty eight days later, they're not I know, zombies. I there's people, that. but you can shoot them. To anyway. me, I was actually thinking, God, does people do people have a chance in this one? Uh, yeah. But no, this and the rest of the story. You know, they eventually flee, find some other people, mm-hmm. and you know, then hold out in and in, in the very missile silo that fired the missile in New York City. And <laughs> yeah, it's uh. It's I I read it and uh, you've read it and you that, can't unread it. No, I mentioned I had to mention this in the shoutouts as to please if you're going to write a zombie apocalypse book, don't do it that way. Yeah, look at that book and don't do that. Yeah, yeah look at that as the model for what not to do. If yeah, you're exactly. doing that and you read it and you realize you're doing that, you need to stop. Right. So all right, well, that's spe- that's enough of that. Okay. Right. I have a similar shout out in that same like don't do that respect. It's a movie called The Mutant Chronicles, which is based on an RPG, The Mutant Chronicles. 
which comic. has a card game. It's a comic too, isn't it? And a comic. And a collectible miniatures game. And from what I understand, All a, lot of, a lot of somewhat big name actors in it too. Thomas Jane, Ron Perlman, John Malkovich in a brief, in like one or two scenes. Um, some other people. I call this is where like everything runs on coal in the distant future. Well, right? yeah, it's kind of steampunkish, mm-hmm. but it's the future sucks. Like in the past, things used to be good, but now things suck and are in your face. Like why? Well, that that that's it's like World War One technology with in the distant future. Yeah, with spaceships because mm-hmm. they're spaceship. run on coal. Yeah. So and it's one of those sort of green screen movies like Sin City or uh, Sky, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Yeah, where every they're just acting on green screen, everything looks really fake. Or three hundred. The thing is, like, as a horror movie, you know, movie it sucks because all the monsters are identical, literally. Like they're mutants, but they all have the same mutation, which as a gamer is totally unacceptable to me. No, because they they're basically ugly guys. Ghoul-looking things with a claw, with a big pointy claw thing for an arm that you know, or or a hook. Really, it's not even a claw; it's just a big pointy thing, hook, stabby, a stabby thing. Yeah, stabby thing. And there's a machine, and the plot so, is so incredibly. They can, so, so, they, so they can basically, so they can just mat produce them. Yeah. If they want hordes, like uh. Yeah, like get the, the same actor and clone them on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's stupid. And the plot sucks. The acting sucks. The action sucks. Isn't the writing is... Uh... The writing is abysmal. Mm-hmm. So it's a horrible, horrible movie. And like Day by Day, Armageddon, just, it's an example of what not to do. Especially if, if you have the money to afford those, those kind of actors. actors yeah. Yeah. Then um, screw you, Hollywood. It's, it, there's a reason why it's going to be direct to DVD. So anyways, why don't you talk about good stuff? Yeah, so uh, you got you got anything good? I do have something good. All right, let's talk. All right, uh, you might be familiar with the zombies uh, kind of not card card game, but I guess I guess it'd be whatever with the tiles. Tiles, yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, from uh, Twilight Creations, right? Um, we played that several times. We've enjoyed it each time. I yes, thought. and then there's there's all kinds of expansions. There's there's you know the military base, town, uh, mall. Now there's also right. the, there's a, the sewer now. And, right. a, and a like and a circus, right? I have just I discovered one while I was at Dragon's Lair, plug. There we go. But when I was I was there, I saw one. They have a new one called the Humans, mm-hmm. which is the same same tiles except you play the zombies. Okay. And your goal in this one, instead of to escape and you know kill as many zombies as you can, is to infect and as many humans as you can. And it it has a set along the lines of this kind of same kind of humor and you know like the cards are really fun to read. Okay. Yeah, we tried it, and uh, I tried it with a uh, you know my gargoyles group, and we really enjoyed it. All right, sounds good. It's it's rare we find a board game we actually. And it's play. what like twenty bucks or something like that. It was thirty. Oh, okay, they're very surprised. But yeah, it. You know, I guess inflation strikes everything now. <sighs> Fuck you, Bush. Yeah. Oh, political stuff. Yeah. Yes, let's blame the guy with the twenty percent popularity rate. Way to take a stand there, Tom. Uh, how you doing? Hey, I like I like to preach to people that agree with me. When eighty percent of the people agree with me, that's good. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, yes, Zo- uh, humans. Uh, Very good game. Interesting. Talking also, but you know, talking a little bit about power gaming, Munchkins, and that sort of thing. Talk, let's talk about the Munchkins in real life. You know, the guys let's do that, yeah. Ross. You know, who would be the Munchkin in real life? Well, I say they're the people who take steroids because they're cheating. They're using, you know. Uh, Win at any cost. Yeah, exactly. And so I saw a really good documentary about it called Bigger, Faster, Stronger, The Side Effect of Being American or the American, something like that. And 
it's about sort of looking at steroids in a way that doesn't demonize it. Just shows what they do. Yeah, right? it shows what they do. Shows the cultural thing of you know how steroid using athletes and actors and people like that have gotten ahead. How you know people hate cheating, but they love winners. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting look at a very morally ambiguous, complex situation. And uh, you see Mexican day laborers putting together uh, uh, protein supplements because that those supplements, those sixty dollars supplements you get at you know GNC and those fitness stores, mm-hmm. it's all crap. I mean, it's deregulated. It could be like one percent, you know, protein, ninety percent flour. So uh, you're and you're paying sixty bucks for it, you dumb bastard. That anyone can put together. So uh, yeah, that's uh, something to think about. So um, and then finally, I am reading right now House of Leaves, the crazy experimental horror novel. It's like three books in one, and it's it, just Wikipedia. And I'll put a I'll put an Amazon link. But uh, yeah, we're, hopefully I'll have it done by October, so we can talk about it for a horror month. Oh yeah, that's one thing. We do have one announcement here. RPPR. October is going to be horror month, and we're going to have all kinds which is of opposed horror to, stuff. Which is opposed to any other month where we do don't do horror games. Well, we do horror games all the time. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, yes. No, yes. This summer we did GURPS, Modern League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which had some horror elements, but was hardly horror. We did Wushu. Uh, we're doing Venture Brothers right now. Uh, we don't do horror all the time because by all the time, I did not imply that's all we do. Right. I mean, the majority of the games you no, run. Yes. No. Yes. No. If I were to call the, gr- the members of the group, Ross, they would agree with me. <laughs> their their perceptions are off. I don't think so. You're... When the majority have the same perception, it's your perception that's off. No. No. Yes. I'm the only one who's right. Yes. You're, you're... your fetal alcohol baby, Ross. Uh, anyway, so, um, but we're going to be doing all kinds of crazy stuff for Horror Month, so stay Absolutely. tuned for that. Um, so, finally... We have, of course, some anecdotes. And well, Ross has one. Uh, well, didn't you say you were going to have something first, or um... no? Okay. Anyways, I got it. Could, but why don't you go first? All right. So, New World of Darkness military game. We're all human soldiers in special forces, although we're basically starting level characters. I mean, which in New World of Darkness means we're pretty crappy at everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one se- uh, that one session was pretty. Uh, I did was pretty. Yeah, I mean, like. Starting level new war, yeah, they're they're pretty like not, and you're not supernatural, yeah. So we're we're, but that's fine. So, anyways, we're the thing is we're on this base in Massachusetts, and we can never leave it except when we're on a mission. That's our thing because we're lifetime special forces soldiers now. So now that we're our mission for this last session was uh, to take back a base that had been captured by Turkish radicals. Turkish, you know, terrorists, mm-hmm. basically. Fringe group. Now, the thing is, it was an nu- American nuclear silo base put on the Iraqi-Syrian border. Now, of course, the Tom Clancy and you and me is probably like, Scream, it, Yeah, alarm bells are going yeah. off. And then the silo is 8 to 10 miles beneath the Earth's surface. So the elevator ride takes 30, 40 minutes, apparently. So... Again, that's like, ah, suspicious like, disbelief. Wouldn't you need, like, oxygen suits to go right. 8 to 10 miles down? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. You're thinking, I'm yeah, I'm sorry, right. I'll, I'll stop. Right. But if you remove that backstory and you just look at it, it's a basic kick the door down, shoot the bad guys, 
go to the next room. You know, it's a it's good a, fun. Yeah, good fun. A, yeah, exactly. And what really made the game though was that each of us none of us could speak Turkish, but each of us I asked if we could memorize a few phrases just in case we had to we could get them to surrender. So I each of us got up to two phrases that we could memorize. Now, I don't remember all the phrases, uh, but here are the relevant ones. I had two phrases. Freeze motherfucker and surrender or die asshole. So I would be screaming Very this while shooting, shooting the, these. Oh, the other thing is these Turkish militia, militia the, or these radicals, there are between 15 and 35 of them. But they were all armed with AK-47s, and they were not well-trained. And but they, none took of them, o- they took over the they, space. None of them had grenades. None of them had body armor. and they, Yeah, and they took over an American nuclear silo base. So, Yeah. I, I, I don't I've seen movies where they take over places. These they're like professional professional mercenary types, right? With like state of the art equipment, right? But you know, whatever, whatever. We barely got we two of our members were down by the end of the battle, so fifteen was about all we could take. Oh, and the other thing, there were four of us, and we didn't have any ground support or air support, and uh, we were limited on how much equipment we were allowed to requisition. Like we couldn't even get hollow points for our M16s. So we could get uh, grenade launchers for our M16s, though. But we could really use them underground because we would damage the silo or the missiles controls. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can only get so many smoke grenades and flash grenades and grenades of various type. But on the other hand, we had Kevlar body armor that turned all lethal damage from firearms into bashing damage, no matter what caliber, no matter what. So uh, I'll ask. You've seen the movie Rambo. Yeah. The new one. Uh, yeah. So if that gun that he was up in the back of the truck, you know, is unloading, if that hit you right on, it'd knock you anywhere. It, I mean, it was abstract. I mean, there weren't. Yeah, but you get hit by it. You're like, oh, bashing damage. Exactly. No. And, so that, yeah, and you would not be There were two mounted machine guns, and two characters were hit by them. And yeah, it, you know, when they take enough bashing damage, it goes to lethal. And when they take enough lethal, it goes to aggravated. But yeah, we. Um, this was some so this invest in the company that made that armor. So yeah, that was the other thing is that that you know we couldn't requisition a whole lot, but what those body armor that body armor. Well, they spent all for, the money on the body armor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the mission itself was pretty fun, you know, kicking down the door, shooting the bad guys. That's always direction. fun. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, and the Turkish phrases that was the key to the game. That what what made it, you know. So I had my two phrases: surrender or die, asshole, and freeze, motherfucker. One other player had. I forgot. He had one of his phrases was "Everything's going to be okay," and then another player show had, me the, where, show me where the, to the toilet. When, um, then the third player, his phrases were uh, "Where's the bathroom?" and "Take off your pants." I can actually say "Where's the bathroom" in German. That's, well, this is Turkish. I know. So I'm just saying. Every through the, it became a running gag. It was pretty funny that we we would just be communicating to each <laughs> other, to the terrorists, to the game master, in these freeze phrases. motherfucker. Take off your pants. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> or, you know. Surrender or die. Everything's going to be okay. Take off your pants. <laughs> Where is the bathroom? Take off your pants. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. And in Turkish, you said take off your pants like Antonio Banderas. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we didn't, none of them surrendered. We shot them all. But, well, yeah. right. Um, but it was a nice thing to say to them. <laughs> it was hilarious. So we, every ground, we would uh, just be uh, going across 
doing that and uh it was pretty uh funny just to go through there and so by the end of the game we had two people who were down because they take enough gunfire to take them down to lethal and they'd fail or to aggravate or whatever i don't fail the consciousness roll yeah exactly something like that and uh the other two were damaged and then we um had to hike to the camp 20 miles or drive to the camp 20 miles nearby blah 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 so yeah that was fun but that those phrases made the game Right. So, well, I'll just, I guess I'll add on a personal note. If you're going to do military stuff, it'd probably be good to know some a lot of stuff about the military. Right. That uh, if someone had taken over a strategic missile silo, they wouldn't send four guys. <laughs> yeah. Four. In fact, if they couldn't retake it, they'd just bomb it, in, bomb it out of existence. Yeah. Better than to have the, you know, terrorists have control of nuclear missiles. Right. So, uh, but again, I mean, I could have raised all these issues. And the GM admitted he wasn't like uh, an expert on military stuff. So, and that's good. I mean, he was being honest mm-hmm. about it. And so the the key is if you're in a game and there's somebody like that, don't be that asshole. Don't be that guy. I wasn't that guy. I mean, I made a few snide comments, you mm-hmm. know, a few snarky comments, you know, like I was a Josh Whedon character. But, uh, I didn't, you know, ruin the game because of it. And that's what you need to do is mm-hmm. just you know uh uh have fun with it i mean right. i had fun with the game well i have an, i do have a actually an anecdote all that's, right that's all about having fun okay this is another game uh, i was running we call it afterworld which is it's basically distant future dinosaur and sentient dinosaur societies and lots of guns and rock and roll kind of stuff and the characters were involved in a uh high-speed chase on a uh, like a like a cross-channel bridge, so it's like you know eight to ten miles long, but it's it's futuristic technology. Right. So they're doing this, and it just starts as you know they're chasing they're 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 in a like they're in a truck, and there's a, like two larger trucks full of gunmen chasing them. It starts that way. I forget a lot of the some of the details of how it escalated, but they were enjoying themselves so much. That I kept upping the ante. I kept bringing in more. And I guess this is kind of a test on my part to see how much they would take. And every, but every new carload of bad guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what they were doing. Not, I'm not, they were screaming, yeah, yeah. It got up to 10 carloads of bad guys chasing them. So it was like, okay, there's one carload of bad guys. Okay, we'll, we'll shoot. So I started that with two. Okay, started with two. Then there's three. Then there's four. Then there's five. Then there's yeah. Was then, it really? Yeah. Then no. They were they they came in groups after that. Oh, okay. It got up to ten. Okay. And uh, then there's like a carload of their allies came by to give them a hand. Yeah. And one of the players was driving the car. Just it was decided to to go from just trying to avoid them to really doing outlandish stunts. <laughs> and um, I I mean I admit it was it was so manic I was getting into it that okay. and uh, you know finally like then like then like say you know like then like a gunship you know a helicopter gunship shows like oh yeah and <laughs> I I was I guess I was waiting for they're like whoa, whoa whoa a gunship no they were like yes yes like what big weapons do we have like like uh, like well you really don't have any heavy weapons like. Like I'm gonna jump into one of the vans with the gunmen, shoot them, and I like, shoot all of them and see if they have any heavy weapons. Like, and it got it was getting so ridiculous. To finally, at one point, this this to this day is one of their favorite just total improv moments that didn't even really mean anything. Yeah. One of the like they're in the van. The driver, you know, kind of wants to has to get through some vans. So he goes up on the guardrail and kind of gets it going on the two wheels. At that point, like 
up fucking needs to happen. And I decided, and a missile shoots underneath, you know, along this along the street level, okay. and hits one of the van car loads of gunmen in front of you, underneath you, and there's like a good thirty seconds of just screaming, yeah. <laughs> and this this chase, which was supposed to be about twenty minutes, went on for two hours. Wow! I'm just ever as I mean, I covered the entire like length to length of bridge, like ten mile bridge. By the time they finally got across the bridge, there was like carnage and mayhem. I think they killed like fifty guys. Took out, you know, took out the uh, the chopper. Yeah. By the time they got across the bridge, I just said, "Yeah," and the police pick you up. <laughs> and after after that game, they're like, they're like, "Oh my god, dude, that was so awesome!" And it's one of those. I just it's one of those German. I think I know what they expect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was the first session. All right. And every session after that, I knew is I I knew okay, start with some fun, just you know stuff, and then. Ramp the phone rings, up. and by the time it ends, something's going to be on fire. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things are going to be on and fire. And really, some of those games, such as that particular game, it really went a campaign, just a series of different missions, but it was basically, all right, pick a cool place to have a battle in, mm. then have a battle in that place. <laughs> we, right, there was one, one evening we didn't even play. We just, like, we very, made, very cinematic of Yeah, it. we made a list of just, okay, where would be cool? Like, one of my first, I, I said, uh, Opera House. Like, oh, Opera House. Put that down. And, <laughs> once, and once said, Oil Refinery. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think my favorite was a... Their enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasm is contagious, in other words. Oh, yeah. And actually, my favorite that I heard, that someone said, okay, a, ci- okay, a citywide hydrogen power plant. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. they're, like, eh? they're like, okay. Okay, of course we had like chemical plant, paint factory was one. Okay. Uh, one one was a uh, auto auto scrap yard. Yeah. Um, subway tunnel. Yeah. Subway car in a subway tunnel. Yeah. We had, of course, you know, skyscraper, a la yeah. Die Hard, yeah. airport. Um, we actually had gold depository in one of them. Okay. Um, I think the most dangerous someone did was a. Uh, Steelworks, okay, for potential hazards and okay, sounds uh... and it and actually and fine and the last one I we decided that would just be too awesome for words. We said inside the reactor core of a nuclear power plant, everyone's wearing radiation suits where the slightest damage to it could rupture it, causing like hundreds of rems of radiation to hit you. Okay, that that would be very uh very sh- interesting, but probably short fight. <laughs> Which they said, and everyone, when I mentioned that, mm, yeah, 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 we're going to have to do a knife battle in that one. Yeah. Guns would be bad. It's like, yeah, knives, knives, yeah. Swords, oh, swords, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I love a good story-oriented role-playing game, but when the whole group is that in sync about what they want, yeah. who am I yeah, to exactly. deprive them of what they want? That's the thing, you know, if you're a player, enthusiasm is contagious and really show it if you're really into something because that will get everybody hyped about it and that everyone has yeah. more fun and i know i've lied i said i just mentioned i've confessed i've lied i'm not lying about any of that i know that no you only do that when you're you're playing not exactly when you're running games when i'm running shit i don't cheat then yeah i have morals right <laughs> but yeah that just i had mentioned having fun that was I, wish, I need to do that game again sometime, but I know right. I don't know if I could ever get that kind of group again. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll have to try something like that sometime. But yeah, that and I can't. You know, I could run it for you, but I can't see you. You know, getting up like going ah ah. 
<laughs> I just can't see you, Ross, doing that. I probably would if the players responded, but the players, I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, well I don't know of our players. I can't see, well, you, I can see you more doing it than some of them. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Anyways, well, anyway, uh, that's, it. that's it. That's it for me on that. Yeah. Wow. So, everyone, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Freeze, motherfucker. Where's Take off your pants. Where's the bathroom? Take off your pants. <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you. Josie.